Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 36 of Game Store Profits, the podcast where guys talk about geekiness and Christianity and how really those two are not all that separate. And in fact, they can really do wonderful things together. Uh, normally, my co-host is Luke Navarro, and your, his voice is usually the first one you hear. But Luke, however, had a combination of moving his family to a new place and also had to deal with the fact that, you know, it's the holidays, it's Thanksgiving, and so we didn't have time to record. So uh, I made another call, called up my friend Chris, who I believe that, that at some point in the last episode you said I could talk about this for days. Yeah, well, <laughs> I forget what it was, but... Well, There's that lots of things I can talk talk about for days. In that particular one, it was talking about World War Z movie, but we're not talking oh, about gosh, that. Oh, gosh, No, yeah. we're not talking about that today. We are not here to ruin people's Thanksgiving with t- tales of a horrible movie that's going to be released on onto the screens. There are worse movies you could go see for Thanksgiving instead. And there are better ones, too. Absolutely. Go see Twilight. Oh, uh, Really? Well, that was a worse movie. You want to see a good, uh, okay. go see Rise of the Guardians. Yes. That was a good one. Okay, that's something I could talk forever about. Um, but Chris, before we get started into all the geeky stuff, just, you know, we did just celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, tell us, tell me a little bit about what you got, what you did for Thanksgiving. Uh, I mean, my Thanksgiving was very low key. I generally, you know, cause I work in a nursing home, which kind of runs 24 seven. I, I didn't get to go home for Thanksgiving. So I spent Thanksgiving with a friend and after dinner, we discovered that we didn't really have a lot to do. You know, her family kind of went to the movies to go, actually, to go see Twilight, and we didn't have any interest in going, so we went to Walmart to make fun of the, uh, all the Black Friday shoppers who were there at 8 o'clock like, on Thursday really? night. I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely kind of old school when it comes to Black Friday, I and mean, I have no problem with people who go out on Friday. I don't do it myself, but I understand it. But the people who are like, all right, let's crank out Thanksgiving dinner to go yeah, stand in line yeah, just at, to go at a stand Walmart. It's like, wait, I'm still like, wait, you put down that chicken leg right now. Let's go. Let's go, go, go. <laughs> you put down that turkey. It's only going to make you sleepy, and we need you on point. <laughs> <laughs> you, all right, this year, Steve, you got electronics. <laughs> Susan, you take clothing. I'm going to take the Black Friday sales. Let's go, people. This is what we rehearsed all year for. So yeah, well, not to get, get too much on a bash because because that could really ruin this episode with me just going off on that. <laughs> uh, that's not what we're talking about today. But you know, just what was the the craziest? Not necessarily the worst. I don't because quite frankly, I'm pretty confident that our rating would go out the window if <laughs> you tell the worst story. But what's like the craziest thing you guys saw when you were there? I got to there was there was this guy. I, it had to be one of the electronic sections, but there was this guy who, one of one of the workers, one of the one of the staff there at Walmart, who clearly looked like he was out of his element. Like he clearly did not know what was going on, and he was there just to kind of keep things organized and keep people moving and you know keep everything safe. And there was a woman who, as I was walking up, was questioning him about um, a movie or a computer, and was getting more and more frustrated with his responses and by the time I got into hearing range it was was, of course you wouldn't know anything about this you know what what good are you to to even have here you know completely unhelpful and he's like sarcasm and anger are always a great thing to do with people you're trying to get to help you yeah his response was the best because he was just like well I normally do the shopping carts okay they brought me in here because they needed more staff to deal with you people again not, not to bash the Shoppers, but it's like, you know, if you're, understand that because you wanted to shop on Thanksgiving Day, 
these people were taken from their homes and their families and their Thanksgiving dinners and football games in order to accommodate you and your craziness. So, you know, it's like I've always I've always said, you know, always be nice to the people that handle your food. <laughs> really, Very true. you should be nice to the people that handle anything. If you're a customer, be nice to the people that work there. Because when you're rude, you get nothing. When you're kind, usually they'll like cut you slack or they'll tell you things that they don't tell everybody else. Cause, so, and really, just be nice because, you know, it just, you look stupid when you're being mean. In, in light of that, we do want to definitely say if you are one of the people who sadly had did have to go into work on either Thanksgiving Day or Black Friday or pretty much any time this past weekend before this podcast airs, um, know that, that there have been people who are praying for you and people who aren't shopping. Yes. Uh, because, you know, we understand that you guys had to get taken away from your families and everything like that. Know that there are people that appreciate what you do and they appreciate the fact that you're really not getting paid enough to, to get time off for the ho- to, to deal with people that aren't your family on a holiday. Uh, we we would have you know put this out there beforehand, but recording obviously with the holiday didn't have that didn't give us that luxury. But, but we, for, do, we do salute you for for being a trooper about that. We definitely want to appreciate those folks. And if you were one of the people who went out shopping, I know lots of people who did. Uh, you know, we do do a little bit of bashing and talk about you know people being crazy. That's talking general stereotypes and and overwhelming stuff like that. We do know that there are people out there who go shopping and do it in a nice, good-mannered way. And, you know, we just want to to continue that because the holidays get crazy when it comes to... Like, Chris, I don't know if you ever you worked retail. I worked retail. I did work retail. And anybody out there who has ever spent time either behind the cash register or stocking an aisle or anything like that knows what it means to work retail during the holidays. Mm-hmm. As you guys, as we've kind of fully gone into this whole swinging towards Christmas, we do want to challenge all of our listeners to really take that to heart. The fact that these people deal with a lot of angry, just violent sometimes people, just that just hate everything and hate everyone as long until they get you know get home with little Billy's, you know whatever the heck I don't even know what the new toy is. I, Turbo Man. Yeah, <laughs> Turbo Man. Nice Tur- reference. The Turbo Man doll. But um. Make sure that you treat the people behind the register with respect. Uh, make sure you, you treat other people uh, with kindness because this is when we get the opportunity to show people Christ. You know, there's a lot of times when we talk here on the podcast about using this, that, and the other thing to represent God and to show God to people who don't normally see him. How we handle the holidays is a big deal. Mm, absolutely. I mean... You know, when you, especially, you know, this time, because when you have, you know, Thanksgiving back-to-back with Christmas, you know, and even if you were, I mean, obviously, as believers, it's it's kind of hard to, but even if you take the idea of religion out of Thanksgiving and Christmas, this is a, a time of year when people are supposed to cherish family and togetherness and love and friendship and being together. So that alone, taking religion out of it, should be impetus enough for us to treat each other with kindness and generosity. Well, then how much more of those of us who have Christ exactly. should be able to say, no, we need to just stop with the craziness. Maybe we don't need to get that TV for $200. Maybe we can, you know, maybe we can spend our time with our kids or stuff like that. You know, there's lots of different ways that 
you know, we can show God to people, say, say hello and thank people that are working. Uh, you know, don't yell at the guy who stole your parking spot. You know, the simple things that pile up to really actually mean a, a big deal. Uh, because we don't want to keep having this idea that Christmas is tied up with over commercialism. I know that's a, a uh, that's a dead horse at this point. Everybody at this point will be talking about how don't focus on stuff, focus on people. So I'm going to leave it there. But really, it's an opportunity to to step it up and to, to to live out that really overused sentiment. Right. It's it's I've, overused, but how many people really live I've out often, that idea? I've often said that things that are trite start out true and just get overused because people don't listen to it. Well, you have to keep saying it. Right. Well... Chris, kind of, kind of to transition, I know for for myself, this is the first Thanksgiving, this is the first real holiday season that I've entered into as a married guy. Mm. Now, granted, Susan and I were dating last year, but there's still there's something different about having crossed that, that threshold, because now, not only are Susan and I dealing with each other's traditions, we're trying to make our own, and we're trying to figure that out, and we're making decisions about where to spend the holidays, and what things happen in our home, and... And there is some, you know, a lot of times this goes really smoothly. Like, I'll say something and Susan will be like, oh, that's a great idea. Or Susan will say something and I'll be like, oh, that's fantastic. And every once in a while there's some, some. I, I, I want to be very clear about this. Not only the fact that it's true, but also because of the fact that Susan's outside in the hallway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to, it's, it's not ever going to be a bad thing, but it's just a different thing. And it's, I'm so not used to some of it. Like, for the first time ever... Um, we were putting out our little nativity set mm-hmm. and we put up the, the Mary and the Joseph and the little baby Jesus and, and the shepherds. But when it came time to putting out the three wise men, they had to be in another part of the room. And I said, <laughs> oh, wait for it. Wait for it. Cause it, it makes a lot of sense. The way she described to me, makes an awful lot of sense to me. Okay. If you actually look at the biblical story. The wise men didn't show up when he was born. Right, they came two years they later. Show, they so. showed up later. And so you have to put them outside of the, the nativity because they're on their way. Oh, that's clever. Uh, you know, but it's... I like that. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. It is a lot. There's a lot of truth to that because, you know, a lot of people think that the wise men were there. They weren't. Well, same um, as if you have snow falling in your nativity snow globe, there wasn't actually right, snow there wasn't there in snow. the middle of summer when he was born. So. Right, but uh, he wasn't born on December 25th either, but, you know, that's who, who we get in technical. Um, but, you know, at the same point, it was weird to me that we had to do this because while, it, while it's definitely accurate, it's so not what I'm used to. Right, well, I mean, because, well, it's having to change from, you know, things that you loved about your past, you know, yeah, I, I grew up. In a, in a you know in a very Christian household you know my dad is a minister and even with my dad being a pastor you know we always had you know everybody was kind of together in the manger scene right even though it was and you know my dad would comment like not biblically that's correct that's not how that happens that is not how that goes but you know it was always there because that's what's tradition that's what we're used to when we're younger you know you're used to all those characters being all there and now you know as an adult and you know for you being in a relationship right. You have to be able to, you know, are you going to be able to cope with, I mean, obviously that's a small change. Oh, it's, it was but, a tiny thing, and I, I gave her a little bit of heck about it, just, you know, because, yeah. why not, because it's funny. 
But do you are you able to adapt to that, or are you going to be so stuck on the idea that like, well, this this isn't the way it used to be. This right. isn't how I like it. So I refuse to accept your wise man principle, ladies and gentlemen. Before you go and write my wife, uh, let it be known that I have great. I have completely bought into this whole idea. The nativity, the nativity proper is on one side of the room. The wise men and their camel are on a bookshelf on the complete opposite end. So I, I'm totally buying into this. I totally think it's a great idea. I do too. I wasn't bashing it. It was just <laughs> a, really. It was just. It was an example to I get can a just, point I can across. Just, I can just see the emails now, Mike. You shouldn't talk bad things about your wife. Um, no, I, I I love my wife and I love her her craziness and her traditions and everything is fantastic. That being said, though, this whole idea of making up new tra- new traditions with her has got me thinking about... It, it made me think about the past. It made me think about what was and how we look at what was. Mm. Just like I, I looked at this this whole wise men thing as weird because it's not part of my past, even though it makes perfect sense. Have you ever had those... Have you ever seen, like, old cartoons? Like, the ones that we watched when we were kids. And I'm not oh, talking yeah. about your Warner Brothers or your Looney Tunes because those are timeless. I am talking about, like... I, I mentioned it before we got started. I have two DVD, two DVD box sets in here that I have them strictly for nostalgia because they're actually <laughs> they're actually quite awful. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I fell in love with them when I was a kid. And those are I have the complete Voltron series. Voltron? Yes. I know full well what it means to form Blazing Sword. And I also have the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, the one from like the eighties, oh, where I used to watch. where the kids went into a roller coaster and came out in the like this weird fantasy realm where a, a guy named Venger with one horn is yeah, chasing them yeah. through the wilderness. There's the, the tiny little the tiny little old guy. I forget his the name. dungeon master. All oh, right, that was the dungeon master. That was the dungeon master. With Uni the Unicorn, come on! <laughs> so wow, I was your little well, that's that's that was your deal. But, you know, I, I watch these now. D&D's not that bad. I mean, they're pretty bad. But I can still watch D&D. The old Voltron, I had no idea when I was a kid watching the old Voltron cartoon just how formulaic it was. All right. Everything's going to be happy. Then they're going to send in the Roe Beast. They're going to try and fight it with the lions. It's not going to work. They're going to form Voltron. They're going to fight a little bit. Voltron forms Blazing Sword. Show episode over. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's every, every episode. Every episode. <laughs> well, it's the same thing in Power Rangers, too. You know, Power Rangers yep. was, had similarities to Voltron in the idea of, like, all right, here's a, gr- here's a group problem we're all dealing with, and then all of a sudden the monster that, you know, Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa make, you know, oddly enough, has to relate to whatever... Somehow has to Whatever the real-life problem they have. <laughs> so then, you know, Morphin Time, we, we make the Megazord, we beat the monster... It's all over, and then, you know, we all hug it out and resolve our problems. What formulaic TV shows? Mighty Max was like that, too. Remember the cartoon Mighty Max? Oh, I vaguely remember the cartoon Mighty Max. He had that that portal-traveling red hat that, you know, like, okay, I'm dealing with a problem in real life. Okay, the problem in real life, I'm dealing with cheating on a test in school, and it's like, I feel really guilty about it. So now I get transported to a world where I have to fight some kind of fantastical monster... That relates to cheating, because like, are you gonna cheat yeah. to beat the monster? Or are you gonna beat him with honor? Right. And then it's like you know that life moment of like, oh, oh I see what you, you did. Got there. me. 
But, you know, at the same, I remember these shows being amazing. I remember just every time watching Voltron, I always thought it was so like, oh, they're going to do it. It's going to be great. I can't believe they haven't filmed Voltron yet. Like, I... I what's re- going to happen? What's going to happen? I remember, like, 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 I can remember it completely differently than it actually was and actually is. Um, like, I'm trying to remember another, like... Oh, here you go. This is an example of nostalgia at its finest. And if you guys know this, you are... I mean, it's it's insane. Because this is one of those things, like, I swore when I watched this as a kid, I thought for sure we were making it up. Because my brothers and I remembered it. My parents remembered it. No one outside of our family had ever heard of it. It was done by the people... but Done by Jim Henson. It was Emmett Otter's... Uh, Christmas special. Yeah. I know that. Okay, good. Emmett Otter's Christmas special? Totally. Emmett Otter. It was... I, I remember we watched it every year. We watched Emmett Otter's Christmas special every year. For... For... Like a decade. And my brothers and I would say over and over again, this is the greatest show ever. It's like the greatest Christmas special ever. I can't believe they're not showing it anymore. So my dad... One year decides, oh, my kids really want to see this old Christmas special. I'm going to hunt it down. So he got it on DVD. They have it on DVD. And we watched it. Famous last words. And my brothers and I, all three of us, fell asleep (laughs) watching this really dull, really boring (laughs) Christmas special that we thought in our head... It was the greatest thing ever. Oh, like, well, I mean, I mean, I'm, you can't really compare that to something like the Muppet Christmas Carol because that's oh, just, that's, that's that's fantastic, a wonderful, a wonderful movie. But yeah, I mean, stuff like that. You know, when you watch, when I've watched cartoons from my past, or even even movies that I grew, you know, when I was little, there was this old cartoon called Scamper. Wow, I, I pride myself on knowing a lot of old cartoons that no one knows. Yeah. I've never heard was, of Scamper. It was, it was a movie. It was a movie, and it was about this little penguin kid that, you know, doesn't listen, and he tries to make friends with a dog and ends up kidnapped by, you know, poachers. And, as always, as always you know, happens. He gets saved on a boat, dog. and yeah, you know, it's this whole, this whole big adventure, scan the adventure of Scamper the Penguin. And my mom... My mom hated it because I guess when I was a kid, I watched it over and over and over. Like, this was an everyday occurrence. Like, oh, that's my scamper. <laughs> so, I'm uh, not too long ago. I guess early earlier this year, you know, I guess early just before spring, I found it on DVD randomly in a store for $3. And I was like, I have, I to, own have to own it. It's a requirement. And I want to watch it. I hadn't seen it in you know, God knows how long. So I brought it home and I popped it in and it's like, oh man, I'm so ready for this. I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. You know, I've, I felt like it was going to be like a Disney cartoon, which are timeless. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I get 10 minutes into this and it's like, this explains a lot of my adulthood thinking. <laughs> the fact that this was like what I re- what I was obsessed with as a child. It was like addictive and watching it now, it's like. Oh, the writing is terrible. The animation is terrible. The movie is just, just awful. Up here's here's one thing you talk about the, the animation and the, the writing being awful. Um, Voltron was bad, but it's it's not not in the least the worst offender. The worst offenders, I'm convinced, there's a tie. 
The worst offenders for TV shows that I grew up thinking they were the greatest shows ever, which have the worst writing and animation. He-Man. No, oh, well, He-Man. And Thundercats. Oh, well, we're talking like 80s. 80s, yes. early, early 90s. Yes, we're talking when, when yeah, when S- He-Man... He-Man action, action animation and its heyday. I don't know if you know this. The, the He-Man, everything that came from He-Man started because there was some toy company that ordered a bunch of Conan toys. Hmm. But right about the time that, that Conan was going on, they had ordered too many. People weren't buying them. <laughs> and so they had all these toys... Lying around. And if you ever look at the old He-Man toys, and if, if any of you have them, you can double-check me on this. The old He-Man jo- toys, the toys themselves are hard plastic. Right. The head is squishy rubber. Right, yeah. Oh, because they just made Because they popped for... off the Conan head and put on something else. So did they make the car... Now that I... I don't know. Did they base the cartoon The cartoon the happened to sell this new toy. Awesome. Yeah, they did that with Transformers, too. The cartoon was yep. made to sell to the Transformers toys. Because otherwise it was like, hey, I got a car that turns into a robot. Whoopee. Yeah. But when it's like, I got Optimus Prime yep. and Starscream, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Right. And so, I mean, the I, if you watch that, the writing is horrible. And, oh, and the, the acting. I love the voice acting. The voice acting, like, like come, Cringer, let's go do this. Like, no, 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 I... <laughs> It's awful. It's like a guy... I have the power! It's, it's this guy pretending to be more powerful than he is. Like, hello there! The like, villains always have these weird, like... Except for Skeletor, which has the most whiny, high-pitched... Craziness. Oh, that's right. He had, like, the... I was oh, always was I was convinced that the the worst villains were the ones that had the high pitched noise. Transformers they had Starscream. Starscream's voice was like nails on a chalkboard. Oh yeah, well his name Starscream. Starscream, and then there was uh, Cobra Commander also had that. Oh yeah, he Cobra Commander. Why had, are these guys intimidating? Had this really high pitched nasally thing. Like all of the worst villains, Skeletor, high pitched craziness. I don't know what it was, but apparently high-pitched voices are evil. This is, <laughs> I don't know. At least that's what the 80s cartoons taught me. Well, uh, you just going to let that go? I, I I don't think the deep voices are that intimidating either, though. You know, I right. find that one of the more intimidating villain voices are just that, like, where it's that rich and and really charming evil voice. That's why it's Alan like, Rickman makes the best bad guys. Exactly. Alan Rickman or... um. Uh, Jeremy Irons. He's Jeremy got another Irons. great villain voice. Except he was the bad guy on the D and D movie, and that should never have been uh, made. Well, <laughs> that, should, that should never have been a thing. That should never have happened ever. Uh, but um, the dragon power. I will. I will say though, uh, the Cartoon Network has done two great things for that nostalgia bit. The first one is they brought back Thundercats. Uh, the new, the they new, made new and improved series. new Thundercats, and at first I was very, I was very leery because they're t- like they tried to bring back Voltron, that was awful. They tried to bring back Ninja Turtles several times. I haven't liked any of them. They so tried far. to bring back He Man. Some people like the new He Man. Uh, I I didn't care for it, and so every time they try to bring back something from my childhood, I'm like, yeah, are they just gonna mess this up again? Yeah, I watched the new Thundercats. I watched it, and I will say without doubt, the new Thundercats is amazing. 
Now, would you say that it's better than the original series? I would say that it. I this. I wish we could go back in time and make the other series not happen to not wow. taint how awesome this new one is. Because I mean, sometimes that's you know that's hard to say. You know, especially when they remake a movie or remake a show. You know, that's hard to 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 judge when it's like you know because you got the people who are like you know, the the new generation who didn't grow up with those shows. Are gonna say stuff like, "Oh, Thundercats is the greatest show." Well, back in my day, when it was an '80s cartoon, it rocked. <laughs> this new Thundercats nonsense is just a lot of malarkey. Well, I, I just said malarkey. You I did. Just, you said malarkey. That just happened. Do not be ashamed of that. I'm not. We also had uh, what's it, that? You know, based on our Star Wars conversation in the last episode, there's an entire generation that go, "What's wrong with Episode One, Two, and 3? Right, the because f- that's the ones they they grew up on. Right, the problem is that it's not four, five, and six. It's not four, five, and six. Or you have even kid. I mean, the Phantom Menace came out in nineteen ninety nine. So you even have kids now who aren't even as familiar with the prequel trilogy who just watched the Clone, the Clone Wars, Wars cartoon, and then moved to like, ah, oh, the Clone Wars is the best thing ever in Star Wars, and then the. Few years older generation. Well, you haven't seen. You haven't seen episode. You one, know, episode one, two, and three. And, and then, then there's guys age and older who are like, okay, you guys <laughs> haven't seen four, five, and six. But when you, but also when you look at the evolution of, you know, yeah, it was the story better, the characters were better, absolutely without question. But then you have to also acknowledge the fact that in one, two, and three. The lightsaber battles. I will acknowledge. Are so cool, man. I I have been. Adamant about my dislike for those prequel movies. However, I will say that the lightsaber, va- two of the lightsaber battles, one with Anakin, Qui Gon, and Darth Maul. Oh yeah, was epic. Darth Maul is the only redeeming was happy to uh, the Phantom Menace. I'm not gonna lie, uh, that kind of redeemed part of that movie to me. Like I felt like I wasn't wasting my time because I got to see that double edged lightsaber. Totally and then cool. if the the lightsaber battle between. Anakin and Obi-Wan, right up till the point where we got, you can't win Anakin, I have the high ground. I have the high ground. If you, before that happens. uh, Revenge of the Sith, right? Right. The one, everything before that, you know, falling structures, they're jumping and they're fighting. Super flips and lava is spurring. I mean, this is just, it's epic. And There's it, no other word for and it. And just the even just the style of sword fighting in those three movies oh, yeah. had much more martial arts to it than, you know, Luke versus Vader in the original movies. Right. Where well, it was just very it was very back and forth. Because it was so much spinning and twisting. Because in those in those movies you didn't have a lot of at least uh, in the original they, they didn't have these in the, the cast. They didn't have fight choreographers like right. like we do now. Like there are guys whose sole job in Hollywood is to make fight scenes. Stage fights. Yeah, well, Ray Park, who actually played Darth Maul, was on call for all three movies to help choreograph the fight scenes and the right. sword fight scenes because he was like a master of these different styles of fighting and using kendo sticks and right. katanas. Whereas, so. whereas the old school guys were not picked to be fighters, they were picked to be actors who happened to have to, have to, to fight. Have a sword fight. or you know, These guys spent large amounts of time... With guys who just fight and just choreograph fighting. Learning, learning these new skills, which, right. you know, is cool. So combined with the new filming and the new, like, bringing the computer-generated stuff mm-hmm. and the, the new quality cameras and all this stuff makes epic. It does, but 
You and that's that's the attitude you have to have with nostalgia. Is like, yeah, you want to appreciate it, but you can't you can't just blow off the new stuff just because you think the old stuff is better. That doesn't automatically make it bad. You know, for me, you know, I was I was about. I mean, you're you're a couple of years older than me, so you weren't as much of a kid as I was. But when when Buffy the Vampire Slayer first came out, I definitely remember in, watching in Buffy. Nineteen ninety seven. I was ten years old, so I was a kid when that came out. And I fell in love. Well, I fell in love with Buffy because it's Buffy Summers. She's Buffy. Yeah. But I fell in love with the show and the whole idea of the show. And you know now, you know for me, vampires were you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Those were the vampire shows. You know, Angel and Spike, those were the, you know, epitome of cool vampires. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, that was the girl who was caught between them. And that was what, you know, that was part of what made that show great. And now, you know, you got things like Twilight and you got the Vampire Diaries and Teen Wolf and... Oh, the new Teen Wolf. Um, All these, yeah, the new Teen Wolf on MTV. Yeah. You got all these shows now... Don't get me wrong, I kind of like The Vampire Diaries. It's a cool show, but it's not the same. There was there was a charm that Buffy and Angel had that these new vampire shows don't have. Now, I'm not Xing them out, but I do have a tendency to be like, is The Vampire Diaries good? Yeah, I kind of like it. Is it Buffy and Angel? Absolutely not. But part of that charm is also because Joss Whedon, you know, that's a Joss Whedon baby, so... Joss Whedon. Of course it's wonderful, but... You know, again, it's one of those things where, you know, just because I'm so married to the original doesn't mean I have to blow off new stuff because right. it's not as good. No, I may have a preference, but I can embrace the new stuff and judge it on its quality, not just because it's based on something that I used to like. Well, and the, the other thing that, that Cartoon Network does, and Cartoon Network also has the Clone Wars, by the way, which, mm. as we allowed for, the car- the Clone Wars cartoon is epic and in a, lot, in a lot of ways brought back a lot of us who were really sick and tired of Star Wars after episode 1, 2, and 3. Uh-huh. Clone Wars kind of brought us back. But uh, what I'm, I'm actually I'm kind of going to rob some other social media here because there is... I, I posted this uh, uh, another clip from him on our Facebook page. And it's the PBS Idea Channel. And the guy on the PBS Idea Channel... He got up there and he started talking about the cartoon called Adventure Time. Grab your friends. Yes. Adventure Time, for those of you who don't know, it's on the Cartoon Network. You can see a lot of whole episodes on YouTube, which I don't know how long that's going to last before somebody starts cracking down on the copyright whip on that one. But if you look up Adventure Time, you'll see that a lot of their audience is not kids. A lot of their audience is adults. Which is interesting because it, in a lot of ways it is a kid's cartoon. Mm-hmm. And this guy got on there and he's like, Adventure Time makes you nostalgic for being a kid. Because he said, it, he looks at it, because this, this show is ridiculous. Like, there are people who are made out of food. There's all sorts of random ridiculousness. But in, at its essence, it's a, boy and his, it's a boy and his dog going on... Going on adventures. Crazy adventures and fighting monsters. Saving princesses. Winning the girl's heart. And finding magical items. You know, the Ice King and Marceline oh, yeah. and all these you know wacky characters. It, it, the way he described it was, it looks like the inside of a kid's head. <laughs> like, it, it, if you spilled the contents of a little boy's imagination onto a screen, you'd get adventure time. Yeah, I can see that. 
And and watching this, it makes us feel and the, the the idea of nostalgia really hits hard here because nostalgia is not only looking back on the past and seeing what used to be, it's longing for that and knowing the kind of the pain wrapped up in knowing that you're never gonna get back to that. Yeah. As hard it's as you try a simpler time. As hard as you try, you're never getting back to that. You can't just take your time and be a kid anymore just because you're not a kid anymore. And when you try to and you're an adult with a beard and a wife, <laughs> it goes It badly. looks creepy. I, I can say this for a fact. It's it just, it just starts getting weird looking. It starts making people uncomfortable. It gets weird. So, but, and, and it's weird too because the, like, there's so much of that show is wrapped up in nostalgia, and I'm gonna I'm gonna link this so that you guys can appreciate this and and if and see kind of what people are saying as far as this whole nostalgia thing, because he's like talking about the fact that the characters themselves deal with nostalgia because the the show kind of started with just it's just a boy and his dog going on adventures. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, they'll reference things like there was a war. And then you realize the main character's name is Finn the Human. The reason they say Finn the Human is because he's the only one left. Right, and Jake the Dog, also right. the only one left. So, literally, Finn is the only human. And you realize that there was this epic war. And you realize... that we just I, I just showed Chris the most sad episode of Adventure Time ever, where one character kind of longs for the days before the war... When things made sense, and this guy who is a villain was a nice guy, but has gone crazy due to this magical item. And I'm like, oh my, this is the saddest thing I've seen in forever. You know, it brings me back to, well, even, you know, with that episode, you know, the characters that he's talking about, you know, talk about how they knew each other before and during the war. And, you know, the one character has scrapbooks of all this stuff that, you know, song lyrics and things he's written down and photos that remind him of... His past. And that he can't remember. That he can't remember. So it's that idea, you know, it's like when when you open up that box and you pull out all of your childhood toys and it's like, oh, look, like it's my, you know, the, the doll I used to, you know, go to sleep with, the stuff, my stuffed animal and your blanket. And then, you know, for, for you know, my Dungeons and Dragons, the, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon and the Scamper movie and, you know, it brings back that, the... It's more about bringing the feeling you had when you were a kid watching that than it is about the quality of that thing. Right, it's it, right. The uh, the important thing is the feeling. The important thing is looking back and be like, oh man, when I was was 14, this was my favorite show. And it's it's not just, you know, I mean, you know, of course, you know, because this is Game Store Profits, we're talking about, you know, TV shows and movies and toys, but... You know, it's even things, you know, places you go or, you know, when I was a kid, I had a red bike just like that. Right. Or I had, you know, we all, whatever it is, I used to, I used to go to the park every day and we would play cops and robbers and that was what we did. And so playing it as an adult can be fun, but it's not about playing cops and robbers as adults. It's about that Re- feeling of like remembering what oh, it was. And this was the best time. Like you thought at that moment. It's not going to get any better than this. <laughs> and, you know, like, like that's true. Because, like, I told you, I, I don't like watching Voltron now. But at the same point, I knew I had to own it. Not because I want to sit down and marathon episodes of Voltron. Because I think that would make my eyes bleed. 
I <laughs> make your wife's eyes bleed too. I, I think I, I, I had to own it because, you know, at some point we're gonna have kids, and I want my kids to watch these cartoons and share in that feeling of because when you're a kid, you're not Quality sitting there. Doesn't matter. You're not analyzing. This looks just like the last episode, and we all know that he's going to form Blazing Sword now, and you know, or well, that's I, you know. Sometimes with those shows, because I know this used to be, for me, for Power Rangers, you know, you knew every episode that they were going to stand in line and Jason the Red Ranger was going to go, it's morphin', morphin time. time. And then it was like, <laughs> let's form, let's form Megazord. Yeah. So you, even though I knew it was happening in every episode, it was like, it's morphin' time, that's right, here it goes. Oh, you want to talk? So you get excited about those moments that happen in every show. You want to like, talk? Ready for it. You want to talk nostalgia. I'm going way back. When I was a kid. And this this actually came up at our Thanksgiving table with my dad and I. We were talking about the fact of uh, old school wrestling on TV. <laughs> and how we, I mean, how far back are we talking? I'm talking like when I was like five. Okay, like when I watched it, it was Attitude Era. So that no, was... I'm talking like Hulk Hogan in his prime. Oh, okay. Well, you're going like back the then. Junkyard Dog and the Iron Sheik and all those guys. Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Well, we were we were talking about it. And my dad and I would never miss a WrestleMania for years. We would watch it every time. And if you look, looking back on it, if you watch some of the older stuff, and I think they do have them on like tape or something. If you oh, watch, they, they got, if you watch back when Hulk Hogan was not being who he is now, but back when he was actually wrestling, um, he would do this thing like there would always be a time. When the person he was wrestling got him in like a chokehold or some kind of submission, it looked like it was all over, and then his hand stayed up. And, and then his the leg thing. and then his leg started yes. to shake. And then he said then he started just dancing around the ring. And then it was over. And it was over. You knew it was over. You didn't go all right, because now he's hulking up. That right. was it. And it happened every time. Always, always not always. not a bunch of times, not a handful of times. Every time. But I don't care. Because <laughs> it's still exciting. And, you know, even you know later on, they brought Hogan back for a while. And he would do the same thing. I mean, yeah. it had evolved to where the good guys didn't always have to win. You know, The Rock didn't always right. win. Stone Cold didn't always win. But, you know, when Hulk was in there and you saw him do those fist pumps oh, yeah. and do the, you know, spin his hand to his ear, all of a sudden it was like... Oh man, it's over. He's gonna give him the big boot and the leg drop, and, and it's done. and it was done. I didn't done. Care. It was that was it. It was. It, I stopped caring about that, and I think I think that's kind of where nostalgia hits for me. Like I want to share some of this stuff with my kids, not because I still think it's awesome, but because when I was a kid, it was the greatest thing ever. And you want to share the feeling, and I want that feeling to hang out with my kids. I want absolutely. I want that feeling to live there, like. I the, you mentioned that the new the Rise of the Guardians movie. Yeah. That movie looks like something that if we had kids now, I would be taking my kids to see Rise of the Guardians because totally. that is like the epitome of like Christmas magic in my mind. Like that's that's the kind of stuff I want my kids to get excited about. And absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, you know, I my uncle is a huge fan of Star Trek the original series and and all the stuff, you know, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, you know, he likes all those too, but especially the original series and the, the original movies, Star Trek the movie and Wrath of Khan and The Voyage Home and all those. And so growing up, uh, you know, when we would visit his house, it was like, 
And my uncle, it was like a straight up Brooklynite, so it was like, Christopher, Christopher, <laughs> come down to the basement. Come down to the basement, we're going to watch Star Trek. Gonna Star Trek. They ignore your mother. She hates Star Trek. We're gonna watch Star Trek. We're gonna watch Captain Kirk and Spock. <laughs> and I loved it. Now watching them as an adult, you know, I still enjoy them and I still think they're they're fun to watch. But I recognize the poor quality of, you know, the overacting of William Shatner. But <laughs> it just reminds me of like that was hanging out with Uncle Kevin watching Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner on the but, Enterprise. Chris, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Right now, you're just being illogical. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, yeah. Well, I kinda, we can be talking about this forever. If there's one thing that geeks can talk about forever and for always, it's how much more awesome things were back in the day. Oh, yeah. um, but I do kind of want to transition this, because I started think as I started planning out what we were going to talk about today, and kind of, I want to kind of separate tradition and nostalgia, and kind of see that as in the church. Like, there's one thing... I'm a big fan of tradition in the church. Mm-hmm. Doing something because it's it, we've done this forever and there's symbolism and there's importance and there's value. But I also think there's a lot of stuff that we kind of hold on to for nostalgia's sake. Like, we long for the days back in the, back in the day when the church was different. You and I go to the same church. I right. think we go to the same church partly because you and I both value this whole idea of community. Absolutely. And the, the church does that. But... I've been to a lot of churches where that's not so much the the idea. The idea of, of church, almost like a cultural thing. Like, you go to church because you're supposed to. Right. That's what we do on Sundays here, so. And there's a lot of people, and, and out, even outside of us, there's a lot of people who go to a more traditional, old-school kind of service, not just because they're the quote-unquote cultural Christian, but because they really vibe with that whole idea of right. tradition. Which is, you know, my sister is like that. You know, you know my, my sister's only three years younger than me. And for me, you know, I, you know, was looking so hard for a church that had, like, a full band that played, like, current worship music, that had a speaker that, you know, knew about the, you know, knew about pop culture, knew about the stuff today. You know, a church that was relevant in its ministries and in its services and, you know, was current and relevant to today's culture. My sister and her husband, they go to a much more traditional church where there's like a straight up choir, they play piano, they do almost exclusively hymns, or they do songs that have kind of been outdated since the early 90s. Like I'm talking like, or even earlier, like like Keith Green type stuff. Mm. But she loves it because she thinks the teaching is solid, she thinks the music is good, she loves to sing that old fashioned music because she has a voice that lends itself to that, so... That's what she loves because she values that tradition. Right. There, and I'm, I'm all for that. There's a lot of people who, who worship God in a very traditional sense. They get really excited about that. I'm not talking about these people. I'm, not kinda, I'm never going to put those, that idea down. Absolutely not. The, what I'm kind of thinking of is the idea of churches doing something over and over again that's not impacting people. You know, Albert Einstein said that's the definition of insanity. When you do this... Doing something over and over again and expecting expect different, different results. results. Yep. And so there are... I mean, you'll find this constantly in churches. The idea of... of We're going to do this Christmas play with the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, ours, we have a guy who has 
directed shows like <laughs> right. I mean, he's got he's got a background in theater, and right? There's a background in directing and performing and singing. So, so when 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 he says I'm gonna get the kids together and do a show, that's one thing. Right. It's a show. It's not a Christmas play. Right. It's a show. And, and that that's it right there. That that tone. That it's a Christmas play. We're going to get the children together and do a Christmas play. To, and do a little to, Christmas play. Yeah. That's. And so well, it's like the difference between a movie and a film. Right. You know, there's a difference. And so, have you ever experienced, like, that kind of nostalgia? Like, we hold on to this because we, we remember the day when this used to be amazing. And, and this used to be a big deal. And no one cares anymore. <laughs> no, you just can't. I mean, in my, in my dad's church, he has a lot of people that, that do that. You know, they have this... Um, and again, my mom loves it. So I'm not knocking it. When I was younger, I did it. It's like a, like a creative movement team where, you know, you play a song usually by an older Christian singer who, where a lot of the songs like kind of told a story. Right. And you would act out these dramas and these things, and usually you would use cheesy props like you would use dowel rods or you would use very bare-bone props. And, you know, for a time, they were great. You know, but as we develop as a culture and as we develop generationally, that stuff is not as impactful to today's generation of youth. And that's who we need to to be focusing on. Like, you know, we can't cater we can't cater as much as we seem to to the older generation of church that's like, Well, you know, this is too modern for the church, you know, why can't we go back to to doing the, the, the drama team doing a creative movement piece. Well, because the 15 and 16-year-old kids that we want to bring to the church who will take over the church in a few years are not going to be impacted by that. It's time to set that aside, look back on it fondly, but say we need to move forward. Well, I think I think you're, you're hitting on a, a big thing there is that because in very short uh, time frame... You said we can't pander to the older crowd, but at the same point, we can't. A minute ago, we were saying that we can't throw away the traditions; that there is place for tradition, right? So some tradition, though, not right? And that's the thing. I think we have to start because nostalgia to break it down is that that feeling of loss when you look back on something and say we can never do that again. Like we're never going to get that back. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get the church vibe like it was in the 1950s. Because where it was all solid teaching and people were convicted and moving. And, and people would show up on this. On, you could say, we're going to have a sermon and a hundred people would show up just because they should. We're not doing that anymore. Not because we don't want to, but because we can't. And yeah, I mean, life has gotten in the way and we, we also, I mean, sometimes we make it less important than it should be as well, you know. Right, and I think rather than focusing on forgetting that old stuff, let's get the new generation, or... Forgetting the new, uh, forget the new generation. Let's focus on the old people who are signing the big donation checks. Right. We need to start thinking more universally because we've kind of mentioned some of these stuff that didn't stand the test of time. The you know, but at the same point, we did mention some things that there are certain music, there are mm-hmm. certain movies, there are certain expressions of all sort that people forever are going to like. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I talked about Buffy and Angel earlier. Now, 
that was a show that a lot of people, a lot of this generation can look at and be like, ah, oh, you know, it's such a dated show. And yet there are college courses that cite the characters and the writing and the, the style of show for having kind of shaped this idea of the feminine hero, you know, the female heroine who, who um, saves the world as opposed to your stereotypical male hero. There's a quote from Joss Whedon. It makes the internet all over the place on posters, t-shirts, and everything. Uh, it, Joss Whedon was asked, why do you keep making strong female characters? And his response was, because you keep asking the question. As in, I keep doing it because people think it's ridiculous and they shouldn't. Right, and you can see those characters in all of his shows, oh, all of his movies. You know, you look at Dollhouse, you had Echo, Buffy, you had, and even in the shows like you know, Firefly, like Angel, Angel and Firefly, which are male led, had it always had at very least <laughs> an equally as powerful and important female character. I'd love, I'd love to see Firefly without the ladies in that cast. Well, absolutely, they would fall apart. You needed River and Anara and and. I forget her name. It was right in my head. Zoe, yeah. You need them because they round out Mal. So, but that's 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 the idea of like you know we look at these things as like you know they were nice, but also they can have relevance. Well, because I but not all of them. I've seen a lot of people who look at who would even look at our church. Our church has about five hundred to six hundred people, give or take. Roughly, okay. Give or take. I'm I'm using old numbers, but whatever. And there are some people who look at our church and say it's too big. That like we should go back to the way it was back in the the early church, like like right after Jesus in the old house church, and get like ten people together, and that's church, right? And there's there is value to that, but even if you do that, the, if you're thinking that it's going to be just like it was back in the day when Jesus had was on the scene ten years back, you're not going to get that again. I mean, I don't even know if that... I mean, I know it's just an example, but I don't even know if that idea itself is is even, you know, biblical. You know, we're called to go into all the world and preach the nation, making new disciples. Yeah. Making new disciples of every nation. That's going to require you to grow as a community and as a, as a church body. You know, there was a woman in my dad's church who once said, you know, I like... The you know when they were trying to brainstorm ideas of how they could grow the church, it's like you know I like the little, the little close family we have as a church. I'm like, that is the, maybe one of the most unbiblical things you've ever said because we're not here. We don't make ministries to serve you. You already know Christ. You already love Christ. You already come here. We make ministries to serve the masses well, who don't know. And that's that that kind of is is the crux of my whole nostalgia can be. A good thing to remember to the past, but it's a bad thing if it, if it blocks out the future. Mm-hmm. If if you're so locked into this is how it was, like I went to a very small church. There was a church I went to. I think at its heyday when I was there, there was like forty people at it, mm-hmm. at the highest. And and there are people who are just like who long for that tininess. Who, who don't want to imagine bigger things, who don't want to dream bigger, not because they think that this is not their way or they, or they think that God has called them to be little. No, no. It's just because they say, but but this is, we oh, it's such a nice little thing. I remember when we used to go over to the pastor's house every Sunday and they would, all, the whole church would get together. And I'm like, guys who do that, do that to impact the people in the church 
to go out and, and are empowering those people to go out and tell people about the church, to come in, to hear about Christ. Right. This is, it's not an end, it's a beginning. Right, and are, and are you doing that at the expense of... Right, are you staying small not to stay small, but staying small to to keep normal, to keep status quo? Right, are you, right, are, or are you doing it to just accommodate yourself? Because you like the old feeling... Right. You like the old feeling, but you're you're preventing maybe other people in the church, but you're preventing a new generation of coming in. You know, what's going to happen when that generation gets old and passes away? That church is going to just kind of, it's going to just kind of level out because there's nobody left there. Right. There's nobody there to, to take on the reins and take over the masses. You know, that's one thing I love about our church is we have, you know, we have... You know, kind of our age group and younger, the you know, the youth group kids. We've got you know middle aged folks, and we've got some older folks who have all embraced the fact that we kind of blend. You know, you know Joey, our worship leader, does a nice mix of today's you know popular worship music as well as you know today he did he did an old hymn today, right. and it was a song that the older folks can recognize, but done in a way that you know, people, you know, guys like Mike and I can relate to and and appreciate that you're catering to both generations. You know, you're you're making it so that we can come together generationally and as a, as a body and as a community. You know so, that that helps bridge the gaps that are there. Yeah, I think rather than holding on to a feeling of what it used to be, and that that, that might look different for every person who's listening here. That might look different for every church. That there, there might be an event that, you know, we're hold, I wish it was like back in the day when we used to have all those people that came to it. Mm-hmm. There might be, you know, uh, a, a particular ministry. I remember back when our, you know, we used to have a ministry that went to door to door and did, you know, just said hi to people. And I remember that used to be such a great thing. Like, there's lots of different... Phone call roulette. There's lots of different things that, that people and churches... Hold on to, not because they're actively serving God, or they really think that that God is using it, but they're doing it more out of just a sense of we've always done this, or I remember back when, rather than looking forward and saying how can God use this now, how can God use us in the future, how can God use us to impact the people who are here now, not the people who were here then. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I challenge all of, all of you guys who are listening here, become an active part of your church, your local church. Uh, it's really easy, you know, to hear us sit back and listen as a couple of guys who would knock a church or that, that type of church isn't our thing. So, blah, we're not going to, you know, whatever, we're going to call them bad. We're not doing that. We, we're basically calling on you guys to be the church. To go out, if there's something that you think shouldn't happen, don't just say, you know, don't be, don't pull the passive-aggressive church move and say, oh, I think Pastor so-and-so is not doing a good job because we're still doing this. We shouldn't. You need to be an active part of the conversation in your church. You really need to be a part of it, either, either volunteer, either be parts of ministries, become active participation in uh, different Bible studies, talk to the people in charge, it's a real big thing for me that it should not be a top-down thing for ministry. 
if you're doing ministry right, you're equipping other people to put you out of work. Like that that's what ministry looks like. That's well, biblically that's what ministry is. And so I, I think that, that you guys need to go out into your local your local church bodies and start not having a discussion about what was or what did work, but start thinking about what is working, what needs to change, and to really stop dealing with nostalgia and start dealing with Jesus. And take charge of it. Like, it does no good. If you're not being an active part, if you if you don't have an active part in your church ministry and you sit there and complain about it, you have no business doing that. Be the one, be the one to step up and take charge. You know, be the one... You know, and we've talked about all these old movies and old TV shows. The people who have made the new versions and who have done taking these ideas and expanded them are the people that sat there and said, this was great, let's do something new with it. Right. You know, I love it for what it is. We're going to take it. We're going to turn it on its ear. We're going to make something new for a new generation of people. Let's see if it works. You can't complain about it unless you're part of fixing it. Absolutely. Uh, you just want to wrap that up. Thank you guys for listening to us again. Uh, we're having a lot of fun doing this. We absolutely love putting out this podcast. I'm having a ton of fun doing it. <laughs> I hope Luke goes away more often. <laughs> Luke, hopefully, will be back. Not because I want to kick you out, Chris, but because you know, uh, Luke, no. Luke's my boy. Um, but definitely keep keep in touch with us. Kind of check out what we have going on in the show. Uh, look us up. Obviously, you're probably listening at GameStoreProfits.com. You can also find us on the Stitcher Radio app. I want to keep putting that out there because I really think it's a cool idea. You can stream us literally on whatever mobile device you have available, and I, I think that's a, a really cool thing to do. And it also helps more people get to hear what we have to say, which mm-hmm. I'd I, I like to think that we have, we say valuable things on occasion. Sometimes. Every once in a while. Yeah. But we also for an hour, so that's true. Got to be at least two or three minutes of value. Talk, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sign up on Facebook. We're actually at seventy fans on our Facebook page. Woo! The goal is to get to a hundred by the end of the year. I know it's pushing it, but I really think you guys can do it. Literally, if everybody on our page got one person to say, "You know, this thing is actually pretty cool," we hit it. Well, that would be one hundred and forty, so you'd go over. Exactly. So we're more than enough. So you'd have more than enough people. So, we if, if we hit that 100 mark, I've kind of used that as the benchmark. Uh, we want to do more for you guys. We want to put stuff out there. Uh, but we want to know that you guys are a part of this, that you guys are not only just passively listening, but actually want to be a part of this conversation. Uh, put comments on our, our website. Put comments on our Facebook page. Our Facebook is free to post, you, and not many people are taking advantage of that. Literally put whatever you want on there. We've got guys who have put... Uh, um, uh, my buddy Jeff put up this thing about the software he's developing. We got guys putting up links to different stuff. I'll be putting up a link for my new Christmas CD that comes out in a couple days. Yeah, we want to to get you guys actively part of this conversation. Uh, we want you guys to be giving us feedback at GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We'll be happy to do it. Right now, we just got to... We put stuff together because we think it's important or we think it's timely, but you guys are the ones listening. We want to speak to your needs, not you know what we're just throwing out there. Was that a shameless plug I just made? It's a slightly shameless. You know, We'll see. Right. Um, but anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, have a, a great... Uh, well, Thanksgiving has already passed, but as we look forward into Christmas, 
We really hope you guys continue to really just embody Christ daily because it's one thing to gather around with your family and friends on Christmas and say, praise Jesus. It's another thing entirely to walk out into the world that doesn't know who he is and say, let me tell you about my Savior. So remember, guys, as always, God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.